Someone say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God, just look at your neighbor and say, it's just good to be in the house of the Lord. I don't know where that accent came from, but I mean, <laughs> the house of the Lord is what you live in, but this is the place in which we worship God and place we come together. Look at your neighbor and say, iron shop in Zion. Now, I didn't say it's, a, it's always an, en an enjoying moment when you're being sharpened. Because that means you're on the grinder. You're on the stone. Amen. But uh, that's where you get... Oh, you that, back. Yeah, yeah. That's where that thing, that's where things start to go good. Praise the Lord. Connect kids, you may be dismissed. And I think some of them are already downstairs already. Ah, everybody just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath in and let it out. Amen. All right, ready? Good morning. Good morning. You look marvelous. <laughs> today is, um, is going to be a tough message coming from 2 Peter as we continue in 2 Peter series. The last time we got together, we talked about beware of deceitful voices. Today we live in a world, an age, a culture where people are not getting information from the main source. They're more like listening to all of the sources around them, and that's where they make their decisions from. It, it's sort of like uh, the worst way of living is hearsay. How many have heard this? They said, they come on. And then you ask the question, who's they? Well, I don't know, but that's what they said. <laughs> The problem, you can run into a lot of problems by not getting the right information. And when it comes to the things of God, spiritual things, you want to make sure you go to the source. Someone say go to the source. Yeah. So last week we talked about beware of deceitful voices. And so we talked about how to recognize false teachers and, and how to recognize things that are wrong and characteristics that you should look for. And if you didn't get a chance to... Um, watch the message or hear the message you can go on a facebook page uh, youtube page or our, or our website and you can watch that and this is now bouncing off of last week's chapter two in chapter one it's talking about knowing the word of god and it's talking about epinosis and epinosis is not just knowing but really 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 knowing you see what i mean like if i asked you how old are you and you weren't lying to me you know how old you are <laughs> You know, or if I said to you, how, if I said to you, what is your name? You have epinosis. You have, you know that you know that you know that your name is what? Good. Just tell me your name. Good. Yeah. Only a few of you know your name. I saw, I noticed. <laughs> so the reality is, if you really want to know God, we talked a little bit about this last week, is that you, you really have to do some things. First, you have to read the word. You can't become a study of God's word unless you read. It's a process. You read the word, and then you learn to study the word. And that's when you really grow in the word. So you read the word, and from you, after you read the word, and then you get, in, you get into small groups, and you start to learn from each other, and it's really important. Then you start to do personal Bible study. Then you start to maybe read some books on certain topics, or maybe you'll listen to a sermon. Maybe you'll listen to a study. If you want to grow, you'll surround yourself with the stuff that you want to grow. Amen? So if you're hungry, what do you do when you're hungry? You eat. 
I remember when my boys were younger, uh, they still do this actually, some of them, when they come into the house, first thing they do is go right to the cabinet, right to the cabinet to eat. It's like it's born into them. And, and, and that's what we do, the things we're, we're, always, we're hungry, but are you hungry about the things of God? Because the things of this world are going to pass away, but the things of God will last forever. How many remember the Da Vinci Code? Anybody remember the Da Vinci Code? 2003 came out with a book. 2006, they created, they created a movie. And that movie created such a problem within the Christian culture. And not just with some Christians. I received numerous of calls of people talking, Pastor, is this true? Does this really happen? Did Jesus marry Mary Magdalene? Is Mary Magdalene really in the picture of the Last Supper? And all of the stuff just came in, and people started to second-guess the Word of God. I could not believe the amount of calls I got from people of their in lack of understanding of what God's Word and how easily swayed they were because of some book and some movie. Now, of course, the book was discredited, and, and there was a bunch of stuff, and so, you know, it lost steam pretty quickly. But... I saw how quick people are to change. I saw how quick people change during the time of COVID. They could believe God for anything, but then something comes, and then all of a sudden they can't believe God for anything. It's amazing how we can believe God for something to happen in someone else, but we can't believe God to do so. God is God no matter what. Hello. I guess I've been through too much, seen too much for me to be any different. Because when you experience it yourself, it changes you. It just changes you. You're not the same anymore. So here we're talking about something that comes in the culture and some new information comes and people start doubting what the scripture says. No, Jesus was never married and that is not Mary Magdalene that's in the picture. But they thought there was a secret code, something that no one has ever discovered before. That's what they'll always say and that's why people get astray. If you really want to know the author, you have to read the book. Not hearsay. Not what people say. You can't live on yesterday's bread. Hello. Yesterday's bread or a week's bread, it's moldy. Hello. How many of you eating bread in your cupboard? How many have bread in your cupboard right now that's moldy that you need to get rid of? <laughs> Sometimes we don't realize. And so today, I want to talk to you about lies, deception, dishonesty, disappointment. But most of all, most of all, as we live in a world today with a bunch of fake information, I want you to understand that God will bring judgment, and today's a tough message because it's about God bringing judgment upon groups of people who purposely go astray. Someone say purposely. It's really important to understand that. We live in a world of fake money, fake diamonds. How many were in a fake diamond? Don't tell me. <laughs> Especially if it came from your husband. Don't tell me. Fake money, fake diamonds, fake identity, fake designer jeans, fake, is Angie here? Oh, she's not. Fake name brand purses, fake plants, fake flowers, fake name, fake meat. Now, we have to, we have to put up with fake meat. Can you believe? Believe that one alone. <laughs> fake news, fake information. I mean, there are so many things in this world today. That people make you believe it's true just because they bombard you. I just did not too long ago, I was with the youth and I was testing the youth and I asked them a question. Is separation church from state, is that in our declaration? Is that in any of our major documents? Separation of church of state. 
Some of them said yes, some of them said no. Most of them believed it was, and it wasn't. It's just propaganda. You say it something enough, people believe you. You know, that came from Benjamin Franklin as he was talking that England has such a power over the church. He was actually saying that, um, Thomas Jefferson, uh, that they should not have any power. That's what the separation of church is saying. He was saying that the church was a free entity and the state had no jurisdiction over it because it was of God. But... Things are turned around in our world today. Today, wrong is right, right is wrong, and that's the world we live in. But let me tell you something. There's consequences from that. We pay the consequences in our own life. So will nations. So will nations. And today is a little bit of story. God's going to talk about three areas where judgment came upon. And I want you to get this because this is powerful, but this is tough. In the time of Peter, there were some doctrines that were in there, and some of the doctrines was that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. Another one was that it was okay for you to have an immoral life because your flesh was different than your spirit. And so these things were in the church. Nothing's new, saints. Hello. <laughs> in Timothy, they were, had to battle the doctrine, the resurrection they said already took place. The resurrection that's going to take place. So they were saying, you don't have to worry about things. And so there are all these different doctrines that came. So there's nothing new. But I want you to understand today, see there's some of the doctrines you need to be careful for because they're really important and they're out there. There's this new, what's that, sprinkle? What's that, creed? What is it? Sparkle creed. If you ever want to see something, you can look up this unbelievable heresy of God. Heresy, heresy, terrible heresy. But it's called the Sparkle Creed. Someone just makes them up, and now everybody's repeating it and everything because that's our culture. It's our in thing. Listen, God has allowed culture after culture after culture. This is not new. Under, nothing's new under the sun. But saints, what you decide to do will affect you and your generation. What you do, what you do, will affect you and your children and your grandchildren and your your decisions that you make. And don't pass it on somebody else. It's your decisions you make. So here's some of the things that we're faced with in our country today and, and things that's out there and false doctrines and false beliefs that lead people astray. God doesn't exist. Well, according to Psalms 14.1, John 1.1, 1, 1, that says, that closes that argument up. Teaching that Jesus is not divine. Jesus is not God. You know, if you go to John 14, 6 and 7, or 20, chapter 20, 24 and 29, proves otherwise. And there's so many scriptures to these things, but I'm just going to quickly go over them. No one can be holy. You can't get to God. You can't be holy because we're all just sinners. Nobody's holy. Well, according to Leviticus, you saw what God told the people to do to be holy. And then you see in 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, you see that God has called us. God has made us holy through the blood of Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. Amen. Mm. Uh, another document today, you can't be sure of your salvation. There's no assurance. Well, according to Romans 8, 16, 1 John 5, 12, yeah, yeah, we can be assured that right now, if I died, I'm going to heaven. I have no doubt about that. I have no problems about that. Not at all. My only reason why I say keep your lives is make a difference for Jesus. That's the bottom line. Make a difference for Jesus. Some people say there's no hell. There's no hell. Hebrews 12, 29, Psalms 9, uh, 9 17, Matthew 5, 20, 25, 26. These talk about a real place. Luke chapter 16. Once saved, always saved. Hebrews 10, 39. Romans, uh, Revelation 2, 10. Now, listen, God has given volition. People always want to emphasize God's sovereignty, but in order to get saved, we take our will and we say, yes, God does this great work, but then we still have volition. Volition doesn't stop. 
Many people are led astray because of that. Oh, I just get saved one time and I'm good. I'm good for heaven. That's a dangerous doctrine. It's universalism. There's all many roads to go to heaven. We can all get to the same place, but we don't get into our car and drive that way. But we want to believe that way with our spiritual life. Salvation by works. There's no trinity. It goes on and on and on of all these different things that are out there. But listen, saints, if we can keep our eyes on Jesus, I'm going to say keep your eyes on Jesus. And get in the word of God. And let God lead us and get hungry for knowing God's word. Get a, increase your knowledge. God will help you. Let's take our portion today. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. It says this. But God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held in judgment. If, you didn't, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lies of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment. While continuing their punishment, this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise authority. This is a very difficult portion of scripture for us today, but, but you know, we must really look at the whole counsel of God and not just pick and choose to the things that we like. Amen? Amen. Because yes, there is a God who loves us. Yes, there is a God who's with us. Yes, he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. However, however, there is another side of the coin. Someone say the other side of the coin. And that coin is, that side of the coin is just as important as the other side. And so today, Peter's really helping the people to recognize that these people who are spreading lies, who are really leading people astray, are going to one day have a day of accounting before God. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, man is to die but one once and then the judgment. So all of us one day, all of us one day are going to stand before God, almighty God, and we will be judged. We'll be judged for two ways, I guess. The main one is what did you do with Jesus Christ and what you knew, what did you do? And so were you faithful or were you not faithful? And the thing is that the Bible says that God's going to be one that's going to be there and it's just going to be between you, God, and your life. And so it really causes us to think, like, how am I going to live? Do I want to live the way I want to live, or do I really want to live it right? And the only one reason why you want to live it right is because you love the one who gave you your true love. And I, remember, I remember my son, one of my sons while preaching said this, and I thought I've always remembered it was so powerful, and I'm like, God, that's so true. He said when his friends tried to pay him money so he would swear or do something wrong and, and kind of give him all kind of wages to see if he would do it. And he said, while he preached, he said, I didn't want to ever do those things because I didn't want to hurt my mom and dad. And I never knew that till the day that he preached that. And I thought that was so awesome. And I realized, wow, God, isn't that not why we do what we do is because we love? And because we love, we want to 
we want to do the things that are going to be loving to those we love. Amen? If, if, if you love someone and they're about to sit down, do you pull their seat out from them? Some of you might. <laughs> but the reality is those you love, you do things that, that show you love them. And that's, that's important. So Peter makes clear that God brought judgment upon the unrighteous angels. Now, these angels were serving God and everything, and they have, they're made with volition too. And yet these angels chose, chose to sin against God. And God has put them in judgment, and we'll talk about that shortly. The, the sinful people of Sodom and Gomorrah, and yet in the midst of it, he rescued Lot and his family. God's saying to us and to them through the word of the Spirit of God through Second Peter is that God does not sleep. And even though people do some really wicked things, there is going to be a day of accounting. And I want to say, and this is, I, I want to say this, instead of getting mad at people, instead of getting angry and, and becoming unrighteous, why don't we try a little bit of kindness? You can tell someone who's wrong without being mean. Someone say amen. You can speak the truth in love. Amen? Amen. You don't have to have all type of anger and vile and, you know, and hate people just because they have a bad view. They have a right to that view. They have a right to that, but you need to speak the truth to them. And if you're not willing to speak the truth, then you're just as guilty because you have the opportunity and not doing so. So here in First, Second Peter, there's false teachers and doctrines and beliefs and and God's about to do something. I, I want you to understand something. I want to bring you to Isaiah. And this is talking about the devil and who the devil is. And why do people deceive? And why do people lie? And why do people become so dishonest? Uh, why do people always want power and prestige and position? Well, it really comes down. It's the same way for Satan. This is a description of Satan in Isaiah chapter 14. It says this. How have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to the earth, you who once lay low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my th throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the uttermost heights of the sacred mountains. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. Here's the biggie. And I will make myself like the most high this portion of scripture is attributed to the attitude of the heart of satan wanting to be god and one of the things that god wants the enemy of your soul wants to do is still kill and destroy and he's trying to get you distracted away from who god is and that's why in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says the enemy, the enemy of this world, Satan of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers so they cannot see and understand the gospel. That's why it's so important for you and I to understand what the scriptures say so that we have an answer for those who would ask of us. We cannot be silent in our faith because we are called for such a time as this. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. <laughs> so let's get into our portion of scripture here. Let's go to verse 4. 
It says, For God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. Right now, right now, as you're sitting here in an air-conditioned room, there are people in hell. And in one part of hell, in these dungeons, are held these spiritual beings were once angels, and now we call them demons once they turn from God. But these angels are in gloomy dungeons. Peter is going to be talking about three areas, and the first one is fallen angels. I want you to understand that God brought judgment on these angels, and these angels served God. I want everybody to say serve God. But something took place that caused these angels to go against God. Who was that? No doubt it had to be the involvement of Satan and what these angels ended up doing. We do not know what these angels did. Some people refer it to Genesis chapter 1. It says, With the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them, they were heroes of old, men of renown. The one theory to this was that these angels somehow reproduced kin, and that's why we had giants in the land, and that's where they say these people that of old were so big, Goliath, um, Goliath was one of them, some people believe. And so there's a whole, we don't know. It is a speculation of that, but that's where many people think this all took place, and for what they did, they were penalized and put into waiting for judgment. Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Jude, just if you didn't know that, but Jude chapter 1 verse 6, the angels who did not keep their position of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on that great day. So I want you to understand something, that God brought judgment even on angels because of this disobedience. God is a righteous God. Someone say righteous God. And, and, and that's important for us to understand because we as human beings want righteous. You know, if um, someone came and they shot your family up, you know, and went before the judge and this is the only thing that this person ever did wrong, you would want justice. You would want this person on the on the on the road or on the on the streets again and you would want justice and and so if that guy said but judge that was the first time i messed up i I know i just need forgiveness and you know and the judge said you know what you have no crime i mean we're just gonna let you go would you would you call that justice no you wouldn't call it justice so we all have this inside us a desire for justice to see something right And God is, that comes from God. God is just. And God is very clear about that. And so I want you to understand something. God saw these angels, they messed up big time. And God put them in gloomy dungeons, ready to be held for judgment day. Judgment day is when God's going to judge a lot of people all at one time. Especially the unsaved. We as Christians will be in the Bema seat. That's a different judgment to come. The white throne will come after. Second, it's a time of Noah. This is a powerful time where God brought judgment again. Look what it says in chapter, verse 5. 
if, you did, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. The whole world was bad. Someone say bad. The, world, the way the world was back then is nothing compared to what it is now, although we are traveling but fast. Let me read you this. You can read along here in Genesis chapter 6. And the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. Why don't you get this? And every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was to do evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind from, from whom I have created, from the face of the earth, men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, and the birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. <sighs> but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I want you to get this. God is grieved. Every thought. Someone say every thought. Every thought was wicked to do something wrong. That is where this had come to. And God is about to bring destruction. And you need to understand, God created the whole, all everything he created and then created men and women to rule over it. God created all this for us. And so when we messed up, well, that was the reason why he created it. But then... Verse 8 changes everything. You should memorize verse 8. When you pray sometimes, you should thank God for verse 8. Because if it wasn't for one man, someone say one man. If it wasn't for one man who was still living righteous in a very unrighteous world, people say, well, you know, Pastor, this world's so bad, it's so hard to live the life. Yeah, well, Noah did, and it was such worse than it is now. Noah did. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is powerful. God was so grieved. He was so saddened. But he looked and saw Noah. Look what it says here in Genesis chapter 6. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. For well, the earth is filled with violence because of them, and I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, coat it with pitch outside and out, inside and out. This is how you are to build it. So God tells them what to do, what he's about to do, and tells them to build an ark. It's never rained before. It took about 100 years or so for him to build the ark. There was plenty of times... Noah went over to his son-in-laws, but they didn't believe him. And so it was, you know, uh, 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 it was Lot. That went over. That's another one. Lot's coming. Uh, Noah brings his family, his, his children, and, the, and the, his son-in-laws. They come in and says, eight people because one man was godly. And God ended up rescuing Noah even in a crazy, crazy, crazy time. But look what happened. When you look at Genesis chapter 6, God provided a way even when it seemed to be no way. God's bringing destruction and then says, you know what? I'm going to have him come on a, a boat, and this boat is a type of redemption. Everything God does was look into the future. And yet God protected Noah. Someone say God protected Noah. God protected Noah. Listen, if you're going to live righteous, God will protect you. 
If you're going to live for God, God will help you. If you're on God's side, God's on your side. You just got to remember, you don't have to fret. You don't have to get all fret out and worried and she with. Lose your peace. Don't lose your peace because where God rules, his peace reigns. Amen? Amen? God took care of Noah in a very difficult time. God will take care of you. Look at verse 6. Verse 6. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. This is, this is a major judgment that God brought upon the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. These cities were full of sinful, detestable behaviors. In verse 19, it is the men following their sexual desires that led to destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Look what it says. Read it for yourself. See, it's in the scriptures, but people don't want to read the scriptures. You know why? If I read the scriptures, then I'm accountable for what I know. If I'm accountable for what I know, then I'm responsible for what I know. And therefore, we don't want to talk about this, but it's in God's word. It's like prego. It's in there. Genesis 19, look what it says, verse 1 and 2. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gateway of the city. Then he saw them, he got up to meet them, and he bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night, and then you can go on your way early in the morning. No, the angel said, we will spend the night in the square, verse 3. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him, but entered his house. He prepared a meal for them baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called out to law, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we may have sex with them. This is the reality of where they were in, this, in Sodom. I want you to go even further. Look what it says here in Genesis 19, 12 and 13. The two men said to Lot, these are the two angels speaking to Lot, do you have anyone else here, son-in-laws, um, sons or daughters, anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place, the, outer, the outcry of the Lord against its people. Listen to that. The outcry of the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. Look at verse 19, verse 23 and 24. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur and so on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heavens. This is a complete major judgment that God brought upon Sodom and Gomorrah. I want you to help you to understand something. God brought judgments on the angels. God brought judgment upon a wicked generation. Many generations led up to a point where every thought was evil and God brought judgment. And here we have Sodom and Gomorrah 
where there are sex crimes, I mean, they would just, you know, could kill us. They had, there was no laws. Strangers come in and they wanted to rape the strangers out of their own desires. God can only put up with so much. And that place was so bad that there wasn't any righteous in it. If you knew the story, Abraham has a, Abraham gets an idea of what God's about to do. He's going to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham has this conversation with God. If there's 10 righteous, will you destroy it? And God says, I'm not going to destroy it if there's 10 righteous in the city. It goes all the way down to the few numbers. God says, I'm not going to destroy it if there's righteous there. But there wasn't any. There was pure evil. And God brought fire from heaven, you could say. Look what Jude says. Jude says this. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They served as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. You see, we don't recognize, and I, I want to say this, is that if we can recognize there is a, there's always an accountability for the choices we make. But God always provides a way. But if people choose not to take the way, then they're left with their own choice because they have not received the gift of eternal life. God says he wants none to perish but have everlasting life. But you can't force people to choose God. And people want to do what people want to do. And that's sad to see, but that is the truth. But there's also going to be a judgment. And I let people know sometimes, like, that's okay. If that's what you're going to do, remember, you will meet God one day, and you're going to be accountable for this continual act that you know is wrong. I had a person one time tell me, very straight to my face, and it was not good. The person died in a very terrible way. But I did my best to help this person, but this person was really difficult. And he just simply said to me, Brian, I'm going to hell, I'm going to love it. I said his name, and I said, no, you keep it up, and you continue to run from God, you continue to diss God, you're going to go to hell and hate it. And he just laughed in my face terrible. That person died a terrible death. I don't know if he ever made Jesus a savior. I wasn't around that time when he, when he passed, but I also know that he got a very bad sickness, a very bad uh, flesh-eating disease. And I just want you to understand something, that there is judgment, but don't, don't ever say that God brings people to hell. God wishes no one go there. I do anything I can to prevent someone go there. Moses was ready to deny himself just for the sake of the people of Israel, and they were constantly driving him crazy. But yet he was willing to say, take my name, blot my name out of the book of life on, on behalf of them, God. That's love. That's what God does. That's what we should be doing. But it comes down to everybody has, to, everybody has a choice. Everybody say everybody has a choice. But God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. Can't force somebody. But our job is to be light and salt, to be the best we can be, so that when our time is done, we've done everything we could to be obedient to the one who's called us, 
and to be faithful to those around us. That's why we, are, we see there in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 and 2, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter days some will abandon their, abandon their faith. That's a choice. And follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars. Listen to this whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron, meaning they have gotten so bitter, they have gotten so mad that they are just so far from God because they won't let go of the anger. They won't let go of the hate. And we have a lot of people like that today. There's a judgment to come, and Peter is saying to them, listen, the individuals that are propagating all these things Fight against it. Be a apologetic, but remember, I will have my say. And Peter's just reminding all those people that are going through it. Listen, God brought the judgments even upon angels. God brought the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. God brought the judgment on the world. God is fair in His judgment, but there's a time. There's a time. Revelation's going to come true when they'll start open the seals, the bowls. One by one, the vials. We are to prepare. John the Baptist was preparing the way. Why do you think we're here? We're like a John the Baptist preparing the way, letting people know there is another way. Amen. You don't have to go this way. God has an incredible gift. It just needs to be unwrapped. God, don't get bitter. Things happen. We live in a really unfair world. Amen? Yes. Things happen that's just not always fair, not always right. Because of those things take place does not mean God had anything to do with it. What has something to do with it, we need to blame where blame needs to be. There is a devil trying to kill, steal, and destroy. But if you go to God... You trust God. You let God be God. He'll fight you. He'll do your battles. Come on now. He'll do your battles. Amen. I know this to be true. I've just lived it. I've just lived it. Peter's really emphasizing that, listen, trust God. Trust God. Let's continue. Now, let, me, let me land the plane. Prepare the runway. In verse 7, he says this. And if he, this is God, rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of the lawless men, for that righteous man lying among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly. Did anybody catch that? The Lord knows how to rescue the godly men from the trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise, here's a big one, despise authority. So many times people, we live in a world today that people are despising authority. I understand not all authority is great, but God gave authority. And one authority you do not want to mess with is God's authority. Amen. 
That is holy, that is rightly. But God's saying, even if you're living in a tough world, and we are, yes, not compared to Noah's time, so we should be thankful. Amen? Because everything was evil in their eyes. I mean, it was so much violence everywhere. Have you ever been in violent cities? How many have ever been in a city so violent you, you kind of worried about your well-being? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not a wimp or nothing, but, but there's, some, there's been some places. I remember a time we were in Candom. Remember, that was so much fun. And uh, it sometimes it's exciting being on the edge. Um, and uh, my kids had a basketball game right there in the inner city of, of, of uh, Candom and stuff. And we went to the school, and there's all kind of, you know, stuff going on outside the school, you know. And it's just kind of real rough. And you don't know if a fight's going to break out any moment. And all of a sudden... Um, we go into the school, and there's bars everywhere. Remember that, Aaron? Remember the bars and everything? I mean, it was rough looking and stuff, you know? And I'm thinking, what in the world did this parent bring his son into? You know what I mean? And I believe there was a fight, uh, actually, uh, on that, that school there, too, at the end of the game or something. And, um, and so it was just crazy, and I started to look at all the stores barred up, and, and, you know, and everybody's like, uh, uh, let's get out of here, you know? Um, and I'm like, wow, people live this way every single day. Fear of, or sometimes you get so immune to it that it don't bother you anymore. We're living in a crazy world, but the Bible says, God rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lies of lawless men. Listen, Noah was living in a very difficult day. God delivered him. Lot, same thing. He delivered him. God sees where you are, what you're going through. He will help you, but turn to him. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly. Sometimes we think, well, God, you know, you might do it for others, but you won't do it for me. Stop thinking that way. That is the way that the enemy wants you to doubt. The enemy just wants to throw something negative in your mind so you don't even take God for what his word says. Negative thoughts will always lead you away from the presence of God. It's true, your negative thoughts will lead you astray if you pay attention to them. But if God did it for Noah, God did it for Lot, don't you think he'd do it for you? So we are to be lights in this world. We are to be that salt in this world. We are to be his ambassadors in this world for such a time as this. It wasn't just for Queen Esther. Every Queen Esther needed a Mordecai, and a Mordecai needed an Esther. But together, great things took place. God wants to do the same with you and I. He just wants you and I to rise up to the potential he has called you to be. And don't worry about all the stuff out there. Let that God take care of that. You take care of the stuff that you're in control of. And you love people where they're at to help them where they need to be. And they're in God's hands. But just be the best you that you can be. And he'll rescue you. He'll help you. you got to trust him. Trust him and don't rust. Amen. And if you can trust and don't rust, God will bring you home. God will help you because he's a good and great God. There's a judgment on disobedience. People say, well, I'm a, I've made a few mistakes. Well, you know what? Everybody's made mistakes. Hello. Amen. It's not making the mistakes. It's living in your mistakes. It's not 
making a mistake, but it's, it's living, making the mistakes and living in your past, not living in your present. You don't live in your past. God redeemed your past. You just need to take your past to God. Amen. God give you new life, new, new perspective. See, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. You're the one. You're the one. You have to apply the word of God to your life so that you don't give the devil any place in your mind to rattle your cage. Because if he can rattle your clay, cage and play on your playground, then he's going to really mess up your life. But if you give no room, there's no room to work. Amen? You've got to really understand what God's word says. And the only way that happens is a continual diet of saying, okay, God, what are we going to do today? Okay, God, I need... And put God into every situation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. Bring him into the situation. And he says he's going to direct your path. Is that good news? Yes. Is that your God? Yes. Give him some praise because he's worthy of praise. Peter is trying to encourage the believers here as they're seeing people rise up and teach these doctrines that are leading people astray. And you need to recognize that nothing's changed. There's so many things today out there, nothing's changed. But the problem why people are led astray is because they don't read the book. If you don't read the book, you're not going to know the author. And if you don't, read the author, if you don't know the author, you're not going to know the way. And you're going to be deceived by anything that comes your way. You know, someone will come and say, hey, you don't want to know God? Put your feet in cold spaghetti and turn around 10 times and go, hallelujah, you're going to have a moment with God. Woo, can't wait to have cold spaghetti in my feet. <laughs> There's been crazy stuff out there. Let's go before Father. And let's ask God to help us, that God would do a work in us and through us. Can you stand to your feet? I tell people often, I said, God going to be your savior or you going to be a judge. I want people to know God wants to be your savior. And if you're watching online, you're here today and Jesus is not your savior. It can be very simply. You just ask God to forgive you of your sins. The Bible says all have sinned. Someone say all. Oh. Someone say that's me. That's me. <laughs> yeah, everybody has messed up. Thank, thank Jesus that he provided a way. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus always says this, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And God has a gift for you to unwrap that's called the present. And as you unwrap it and recognize this eternal life, this God who loves us so much that he was willing to leave heaven to come to earth because he cares about you and I. Wow. Some people won't even get up 3 o'clock in the morning if you need help your savior left all heaven and position and authority and then dwelt in a human body that had limitations got tired and then put up with his disciples <laughs> that were like you and me for three and a half years and had to watch a lot of stuff and saw what sin has done to his people but that one day he loved us this much that he stretched out his arms and he died. That's what love is. When's the last time you love someone that much, willing to lay it on the line, you say, you know what, God? If you did it for me, I need to live my life sacrificial for others as well. If you want to know Jesus' Savior, just say right now, Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. 
I need you. Forgive me for the ways I've done before. Forgive me, Lord, I've turned away. This day, I choose a fresh, a fresh start, a fresh start. This day, I choose to put you first in every area of my heart and life. I start this journey, put my hands to the plow. Maybe you're at home, you're looking into the screen, and I want to say, just give it to God. Just give it to God. Let it go. Let God be God in your circumstance. And recognize he's forgiven you. Now he wants to live in you as you recognize he rose from the grave for you to give you eternal life. And now he offers you and says, do you want it? Here's the gift. All you have to do is say yes. Saying yes will change your life. Father, I ask right now that you would touch each one, that they would truly turn to you. I pray they would be vessels of light. I pray, God, that you help each one here to truly grab hold of all that you want to do and help them to share the message of hope and life, of salt and light. I pray everywhere they go, in Jesus' name, amen. Can you give them some praise? All my musicians have left us. Let's take a moment. Before we leave, this is the only last thing that was on my heart. If you knew someone was going to face judgment because of the life they lived, would you want to warn them? Is there somebody in your life, family, friend, co-worker, someone you're associated with, and are they not where they're supposed to be? Put a name to that person right now. Put a name to those people that come to mind. Put a name to those individuals. Who are they? Now, here's the question. How have you warned them? How have you warned them? Do you have a desire to make a difference in their life? Then start a relationship. Start a relationship. And then God will give you the opportunity to speak the words you need to speak. Do not assume nothing, but pray about everything. Father, I ask right now that you would help your people to be like the John the Baptist, your forerunners, sharing the message, caring for people where they are with what they need. I pray, Lord, that you give hearts open, ears open, and eyes open for those to receive. I pray you send them to people who our hearts are ready to receive. I pray they walk by faith and even with the boldness of your Holy Spirit that they would care and share your gospel. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. How many would say a name came to your heart? Raise your hand. Okay. Raise your hand again. Raise your hand. Keep it high. I just want to see. All right. This is what I want to do. They're going to... Do you know the song, Lord, Prepare Me? Lord, Prepare Me. 
those that had a name that come to your heart, <clears throat> just come, come forward for a moment here. Each one of you had a name pop into your, your individual that needs to hear the message or you need to build a relationship with so that you can share the message. Every name is so valued to God. My prayer that I want to do this today, whether it was one or two, however I said the Lord, I said to the Lord, I'll do whatever how many. We need to really care. Someone who doesn't know the Lord. And so, you know the names, name or names that, that came to your heart. They're going to sing a song, Lord. Do you know Prepare me. They know it's a song that goes, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. This is a, this is a thing, you can't do it on yourself. You need God to help you. Amen. And the first way the God to help you is let God take care of you. You, you get on fire. D.L. Moody said, um, yeah. why do people come to watch you preach? He says, I don't know. All I do is I try to get on fire with God and everybody comes to watch me burn. Yes. Yes. If you, you kind of build that relationship with God, young lady, you had your hand up. Come and join us. Come on. I don't remember everything, but I remember that one. <laughs> You know, um, we have to realize that we just got to work on ourselves. Before we can change what's around us, we change what's in us. I, I don't really try to change so much on the island. I try to change me. Just to get right here, just to do my best. And then God will do the rest. When I talk to someone, it's just I really do love them because I really pray for people I don't know. And God does the work just because I care. I don't have to really know you know you to really care for you. And that's how we have to be, amen? That being said, let's close your eyes. Let's sing this song first before I pray. Lord, help me to be a sanctuary, a place where you dwell, tried and true, and just ask God for the help. So right now, that name that came to your mind, I want you to keep that name in mind, say, God, help me. Help me to be the best I can be as I make you focus in my life. Help me, God. I can't do this by myself. Go ahead, sing that song. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Oh, a place where you dwell, God.
sanctuary. Father, I pray right now for each one here. I want you to raise up the name before you. Just raise that name. Just speak the name. Just speak the name. God, you hear all of these names that you have laid upon the hearts of your people. Now, Father, I pray as they go out of this place, understanding they want you to work in the hearts of those that are upon their hearts. God, as you work in them, as they become the living tabernacle, God, will you help them as they spend that time in your presence, in your word, in prayer. Lord, truly growing and gaining the knowledge of you. And as you start to work in them, Lord, will you rise up opportunities, Lord, for them to share and to care and to speak to those that you have laid on their hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring in the harvest and that, Lord, those that need to know you would get to know you, that new names would be written down in glory. Father, we just thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And we pray for every single one of these names. God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise. Can you do so? Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079 or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.